Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Country Wine and Spirits is San Diego's premier wine and spirits purveyor. They offer unmatched beverage service with competitive pricing and a tradition of upscale service. They provide fine wines, a variety of liquors, spirits, craft and imported beers, imported cigars, and exotic tobacco accessories. Country Wine and Spirits is now available online, and if you use cwspirits.com slash heybartender, you get 5% off your entire order. That's right, 5% off your entire order. Go to cwspirits.com slash heybartender and find your favorite spirit or wine today and get 5% off just by using cwspirits.com slash heybartender. Hi, I'm Isaac Bailey, Beard Wolf Bartender on TikTok. I work at uh, Local Roots and Provisions in Lincolnton, North Carolina, and you're listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. Hey Bartender, pass me a drink. A reason that I'm here is I need time to think. All the ways of the world. That's not a problem. It's happened to me. Uh, happened before. I mean, there's a lot of single parents, or a uh, lot not not single parents, but parents that have been on my show. And I've a couple episodes ago, the kids were basically crawling all over her, and she was like, "Oh, I'll just put Coca Melon on the TV, and they'll leave me alone." But once they saw her talking to somebody and saw their own face in the oh, iPad, yeah. they went bonkers. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Isaac Bailey, welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's, uh, it's great to have you on here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Where are you from? I'm from North Carolina. I'm living about 40 minutes from Charlotte, actually. I've I've spent uh, a little bit of time for uh, in Charlotte. I work for uh, uh, my day job is in, at Duke Energy. Uh, I work okay. uh, on the wind farms out here in Texas, and I've been to the NASCAR place. I've been to the epicenter. Yeah, uh, Charlotte's a nice area, but uh, I haven't been outside of Charlotte ever. So, uh, how's the weather out there lately? Uh, today was it started out really cold, and we was actually under a freeze warning last night, and then it got really pretty and felt really good. Had beautiful sunlight all day so it's really pretty today but it's been hopping back and forth on cold or hot uh, it seems so weird that it's still cold and and we're in the middle of april right now well that's when we're recording this but out here in texas we're having like 40 degree temperature swings it'll Ooh. it'll start out like 50 degrees uh, in the morning when i head to work and then by the end of the day it's around 90 and uh it really messes with your body <laughs> yeah yeah, like we've been going from like 60 and 70 degree weather and then the next day it's freeze warning and then it gets up to 70 some and then it's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, at the beginning of every show, I like my guests to present a drink special. What do you have for us today? 
Well, I just uh, made a new one at work. There's a funny story behind it. Uh, Please tell. Uh, huh? Please tell the story. Yeah. The well, the um, chef's mother actually comes in and uh, makes all her desserts. We're a southern inspired little upper class not upper class, but style food. And it's really good food. And the chef's mother actually, who trained him how to cook, makes all our desserts and stuff. Well, he was getting the key lime pie out and it, uh, he dropped it. And I'm like, oh, your mom's going to get you big time. But there's so many people wanting the key lime pie that night. I'm like, you know what? I want to play with this. I've heard of other people going. So I made a key lime martini mm. and I used, uh, two ounces of whip uh, that We actually use Pinnacle Whip. And then I use um, one ounce of lime juice, uh, an ounce of our house-made uh, citrus simple syrup. And then I use just a half ounce of cream because I don't want to use too much because it'll curdle too bad. Right. Shake it really good. And then I strain it. And then uh, I zest a little bit of lime over top of it. And it really tastes just like a key lime pie, like you're drinking a key lime pie. Well, it sounds really interesting. The uh, uh, vodka that you used and uh, using fresh fruit, that uh, I'm sure that really brings out the flavor quite a bit. Yeah, we try you, our restaurants and bar. We try to do everything made from scratch and um, or local. Where they're very big, it's called local roots and provisions. And they try you. They're very big on the community, the owners, and so they try to use anything from around they can. Cool. Well, you heard him, people. If you go ahead and try his version of the Key Lime Pie Martini, let me know what you think about it. Email me at dude at Hey Bartender Podcast, or you can message Isaac a little bit later, and we'll give you that information towards the end of the show. All right, so let's get started. Now, we're going to start back at the beginning of your career in the service industry. When exactly did you start? Oh, it's probably been about 11, 11 years now that I've uh, been doing it. I started out as a um, server. At a, on a casino, um, and it's a big casino. And, um, you know, I did that for about a year and then, and I wasn't, I didn't really enjoy it. Nothing against servers. It just wasn't for me. Right. But I think that the bartenders were short staffed and I was like, you know what? I'll cross train and, you know, I'll help out when you need it. So I cross trained and I found out I absolutely loved it. And as soon as there's a position available, I auditioned and got the job and I've been bartending ever since it's been about 10 years of bartending and I've recently moved from that. I did that there for about, about nine years. And then I recently moved down locations because of opportunity presented for a place, a nice house for my family. And we moved down here, got a job at this uh, local restaurant and I love it. And I love it even more because I encourage uh, creativity. They want us to constantly be innovating and doing stuff. Um, basically, I'm a bartender learning how to be a mixologist. Sure, sure. What exactly turned you off other, you know, other than just it wasn't for you about being a server? It, it felt like, to me, um, monotonous. Like, a, And we had these little rounds and circuits. We had to go in the, the casino area, you know, was, and it was just constantly, hi, my name is, you know, and my name is Isaac welcome to blah, 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 and what can I get you? And it was, and in a casino, trying to serve people drinks when they're losing money is, you know, they're winning too, but mostly losing. It's got to keep the spirit. So it was just kind of draining on me. And oh, then, whereas... Uh, you were actually sorry. on the floor. You weren't serving food. 
No, no, it was just cocktails. It was called a cocktail server. Cocktail, and it was cocktails and sodas. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so I've done the restaurant industry for a short time, but I didn't like that much either. I prefer to make stuff, not really just serve it. <laughs> sure. I mean, I've I've done the I've I've done my time as a server and uh, both as a bartender. Yeah, it does get a little monotonous when you're going from table to table all the time and say, "Hi, my name is." Our specials tonight are, or you know, things like that. But uh, dealing with a customer that is losing it at whatever game they had, that has to be a whole new, you know, level of nasty customer. Because if you know if they've dropped a huge amount of money, there's nothing you can do to cheer them up, really, is there? Yeah, I mean, you you can't, you turn because you have a bunch of people that are like first timers or they're here and there, and they're going. To- and then you have your, you know, regular, just like in a normal restaurant or bar. And that's where you try to build that rapport. And, like, we did, and even as a bartender, we dealt with the losing money and stuff. But um, it seemed like I could get a better response from people. Because when you're serving on a casino floor, their backs are to you 90% of the time. And they're not looking at you. When they come to the bar, you've got responses. You've got, you know, interaction. And you can really build that rapport. And... You know, if you can make it where you can, uh, that you get known as, you know, I'm a pretty good guy and you try to make them uh, have a good time while they're losing money, that's the key. If you can make them have a good time, not make them have a good time, but make them enjoy themselves, give them a little show, it can change some of the perspective a little bit. Sure, sure. So you, you went from just bringing drinks to the slot machines or gaming tables or whatever to actually working behind the bar. Now, you talked about the audition process for that. What was that like? Well, you, we they had a really weird setup how they auditioned, but the, the casino bar was set up on as a... Uh, uh, they focused more on production as not so much on uh, creativity and and stuff. So it was a fat, it was a fast paced environment. So one of the things was the audition was you actually had to make a certain amount of drinks in a certain amount of time. And I think at the time it was, uh, you had 10, you had to make 10 drinks in about, uh, four minutes. It was mm-hmm. in different, a varying thing just so that you could show that you, and it was like usually the 10 top cocktails that they sold. So, you know, you had your normal margaritas, long hours, all that. And you had to be able to produce those, and you had to show that you wore a proper shot, and you had to do that ten times. And those, those proper shots were done with water, obviously. Yeah, obviously. And um, I mean, because they wouldn't let me drink it, I, I would have. <laughs> yeah. It but wouldn't I, have gone to waste. <laughs> no, I was taking care of it. But um, so and then you also they also had a written test that you had to pass with some basic knowledge and stuff. And they give you a little, and during your training, we did 40 hours of training before the audition process, which I'd already knocked that out during your cross training. So, um, but you do 40 hours of training with an experienced bartender there. And I was lucky enough, I had some really good trainers. I flowed with different ones. And actually, one of them I still consider my mentor, even though he's out of the game. I'll call him up and listen, hey man, what do you think about this? And I actually made some good friends for life during that process, too. Mm-hmm. So they they send you sort of through a bartending school before you actually uh, get a chance to try to get behind the bar. Actually, no. It's um, more of um, you're training on the floor, like you're with a bartender, and it's like you're shadowing them. 
Mm. And the bartender's walking you through the steps. And they tend to put you on the slower end so that you can learn that stuff. And then the final night, you're put in the one of the busier parts of your training, and you're kind of going your own. Then after that, so like I said, it's all on-the-job training. Oh, okay. Or at least, um, sorry, I didn't make that clear. <laughs> but, yeah, you do that on-the-job training, 40 hours, and then you do that. Then once you've done that, you'll audition that night and do that written test, the speed test, and, you know, the accuracy test. I've heard of a number of bars, mostly high-end bars, that uh, do poor tests and stuff like that before you get behind the bar and test your knowledge. Uh, uh, same thing like you were talking about, pour a certain amount of drinks in a certain amount of time. Uh, can you pour an exact shot every time, that sort of thing. Now, uh, at the casino, I've also heard that sometimes places will ask you uh, various questions about alcohol, like if somebody comes up and asks for a single malt scotch, what do you offer them? It, it Was it stuff like that? Yeah, they had, and during the review with the bartenders, they would kind of go over the test questions that you might see because they'd vary them up so you wouldn't know the exact answers and they'd say here's this is this and they'd give you they give you the answers but it was more online if you have this thing so it was it was some good training as far as like it prepared you for those type questions mm. i suppose that if uh, they asked for a margarita during your pour test you say the blender's broken they probably wouldn't accept that right <laughs> Uh, yeah, funny enough, the blenders were always seem to be broken at the casino, but we did ours <laughs> mostly on the rocks. <laughs> I don't, you know, it, it wasn't ever me, all I've got to say is that, but I, I needed to be with to make sure the blenders were broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fam- uh, famous bartender lines, you, you can get away with that almost anywhere except for like Red Robin or something like that. But, but. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It's it's kind of like the ice cream machine at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. So now bartending at a casino, I always have to ask questions about that because I've always been fascinated by that sort of thing because I only bartended at uh, mom-and-pop brick-and-mortar restaurants, uh, but I see, like, casinos. Now, you uh, North Carolina, I'm sure you still have to follow the uh, liquor laws. You can only serve liquor up to a certain hour. And or yeah. start serving liquor at a certain hour. Is that the same thing at a uh, casino there? Yeah, it's a dram shop liability law, I believe it's called. And it's actually, by what I understand, a descendant of the original prohibition laws. Mm. So we have very, it's very uh, strict. It's 30 ounces is the match you can put in alcohol beverage in North Carolina. Um, and there, there's, yeah, 2, 2 a.m. is the cutoff for alcohol on every night and then uh sundays it's changed a little bit because it was um nothing before 7 a.m and unless it was sunday then it wasn't before 12 but they recently passed the brent the excuse me the brunch law or whatever where it can be 10 a.m on sundays now it's there's a lot to it yeah yeah, the uh, liquor laws about uh, in other states fascinates me a, a little bit because it's different everywhere. Uh, I mean, uh, everybody knows that in uh, Las Vegas you can serve alcohol twenty four seven. No, you know, there's no stopping there. But uh, some places have different hours. Like they can keep serving alcohol until four a.m. Or in the case of you in South Carolina, me in Oregon, I could serve alcohol until two a.m. And even the lottery. 
shut down at uh, 2.30 a.m. and wouldn't start back up until 7 a.m. That was the case in Oregon. But since you were at, I'm sure, at casinos, that's all different. You know, the machines keep playing all day long. Well, yeah, the machines keep going, but the uh, uh, alcohol would shut off at 2, and our servers would have to start their last calls at 1.30 so that they could get back to us so we could have the drinks out and uh, then get it delivered before 2 a.m. If it wasn't delivered by 2 a.m. on the dot, it was thrown out. It had to be thrown in the trash immediately. Right. Now, when you're working behind the bar in a casino, though, do you I, – I had a question. Somebody uh, sent me a question recently where they asked uh, they asked me my opinion on uh, what to do if they think that their server is giving away free drinks. <laughs> And my advice to her was uh, basically no ticket, no drink. You know, re- either ring it in or you don't get it. Uh, how does that work in a casino situation? Because you've got a lot of servers all over the place, and do they uh, do they come up and shout their orders at you, or do you have you wait for the printer to shoot up a ticket and then make the drink? All right. So let me also preface this by saying that in North Carolina, you cannot give away alcohol for free for any reason. So every alcohol you need at the casino you have to pay for. Right. And so that sort of eliminates the whole process of servers giving away alcohol for one. But two, the way they put it, we actually had an, um, at one point it was called the, the POS system. I know it's a you know, it was a point of sale system. Right. But um, and then they went to another system. I forget what it's called. But basically you go in, you swipe this little, uh, like, looks like a little credit card, little ID card like thing. And you ring in your order. It sends it to the bartender. You walk into the bar. And I tried to have the drinks made by the time they walked into the bar so I could process them on out. I like to work. I tend to work more in the service part of the bar as I advanced in my uh, training and became faster and more proficient. So I like to do that, and I'd get them in and out as quick as I could. So giving away alcohol wasn't very common, and as many uh, cameras that are on us at any given point, uh, I didn't see any server trying to pull a hood, uh, a hood wing on me on something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm sure at the casino that you worked at, it was a little bit different situation since Las Vegas. They tried, they take pride in giving away free drinks, but that keeps people uh, gambling uh, mm-hmm. longer and making dumb bets and stuff like that. And everybody always says, "Oh, like these drink, the free drinks you get are watered down." Well, yeah, maybe, but. Uh, the, the liquor laws are uh, a lot stricter uh, everywhere else. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that totally makes sense that you, you know, don't make it until you see the ticket come off the point of sale system and, and, and get them running back onto the floor as fast as you possibly can. That's just, that's just being a good bartender. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> it's funny when you get one of those really complicated drinks coming in or if there was a frozen drink coming in. Did you give the server a dirty look when a frozen drink come in? Somebody asked for a strawberry daiquiri. And <laughs> oh, yeah. They, yeah, especially if they did it on last call. So, <laughs> but um, we would eventually, for, for some reason, those those blenders kept breaking and stuff. So they actually decided to go with a new system, which I was more okay with. It was basically a slushy system. You had a turning uh, mixer constantly. You add the liquor to the cup, pull the slushy bar down like they'll, you know, the slush puppies or yeah. whatever you call them. Yeah. And you pour it down, put it in there, it's, it's done. So once they got that, I'm like, okay, you can make, 
bring in all the frozen drinks you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's been a number of people who I've talked to recently, uh, even travel or uh, event bartenders that bring a trailer with them and serve drinks out of there. They'll they have their own slushy machine so that they can serve yeah. their specialty margaritas. And I was like, well, that's brilliant. But they, but the traveling, uh, the traveling bartenders say, bah, but the thing's a pain in the ass. It weighs something like 800 pounds or something. And I said, <laughs> but it's worth not having to clean the blender every five minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's amazing how clean, how much I try to explain because another bar that the bar I'm at now, we don't do, so we don't do frozen drinks. And part of the reason we don't have, it's a small bar. And we uh, don't have the room for a blender. And when one of my bartenders gets froggy and does go and grab the blender and make it, it takes him forever to set it up, make the drink, and then get I'm going, And I told the server, I was like, why don't we keep doing this? I'm like, do you see how long it takes you to get your ticket? Now imagine as soon as those frozen drinks go out, people see it and they want it. So then you get a bunch more. Imagine how slow, it, how long it would take you to get your um, frozen drink. I didn't have much excuse uh, because uh, my blender was always sitting on top of the bar. Well, at at one of the bars I worked at, everybody could see it plain as day. Uh, but at another bar, it was underneath the counter. It's oh, sorry, a blender's broken. Yeah, uh, but uh, if you have the volume of customers and stuff like that who are more likely to ask for uh, frozen drinks, getting uh, investing in a slushy machine actually is probably a really good idea. Uh, especially when it comes to volume. Yeah. Well, we're currently the bars plans to be renovated and give us more space, hopefully this year. But um, till then, we definitely don't have the space for it. Right, right. So how long did you work at the casino? Uh, I worked at the casino, I think it was nine, about nine, nine years, give or take. Uh, uh, nine years, and you said you've been a bartender for ten or eleven years. Did you uh, were you laid off due to the pandemic? Uh, we actually um we this is the only time this casino is ever closed. They're open every single day. They don't close no matter what. But when the pandemic hit, it was like January or March. I think I want to say March sixteenth. They closed down. It was closed for two months. And they actually did really good by the employees. They they at least paid their way, paid our wages for like three weeks, which mm-hmm. was really nice. I like and people's like, why didn't they pay you longer? I'm like, why did they pay us longer? They did. We weren't working, but they took. Um, and I was one of the first ones to come. They didn't hire everybody. Well, not hire, but they didn't bring everybody back all at once because they were seeing. So I was the first one back on the floor. It was two months later. But those two months we were out was the best time of my life. My Two year my my two year old now was born January first, twenty twenty, and I got to build some good relationship with my a good bond with her that I didn't get to do quite as much with mother two and I with my other three, excuse me, and I enjoyed that time while I had it with the kids. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of parents don't get that opportunity nowadays, and so that that's awesome. Uh. Now, during the pandemic, now the, for the people that can't uh, can't see anybody, which uh, see us, which is everybody, because this is an audio podcast. Did you have trouble with uh, the mask and your beard? Um, actually, I actually trimmed my uh, beard back down to about an inch at the time. Oh, um, yeah. me and the wife actually worked it out to where if anybody went out, it was her to go get groceries during the, during that really 
scary time. And the reason being, she was still nursing our child at the time. And we were, in our own logic, hoping that if she did catch it, that she could pass on antibodies through the nursing process to our baby, who, you know, didn't have, have any immune system. So our reasoning for it was, if anybody goes out, I'll go out. She'd go out like once every two weeks and masked up and everything. So I didn't really go out much during that time. But I did go out occasionally when I had to, you know, if my wife was sick with something that wasn't the uh, coronavirus or whatever. So, yeah, I trimmed it back to about an inch. And then I figured out how to, after that, I figured out how to position my beard just right to where I could actually wear a mask with the beard on. So was that difficult for you? Um, Like you said, at the time, it wasn't too bad. Oh, yeah, you cut it short, yeah. And as it grew, I figured out how to work it. And then I just, you know, and a lot of people complain about how hot beards are in summer. I don't notice. It doesn't bother me. So I've always been a bigger guy until just recently started losing weight. And uh, so I was used to that kind of stuff. Um, and I, the biggest issue I had with the mask was I wore glasses, I wore contacts and glasses. When I wear glasses, it's fogged up. I had to yeah. put it at the end of my nose so it wouldn't get all. It looked old grandpa ish on the end of my nose, but it wouldn't fog up. So. Yeah, I I normally wear glasses, uh, but uh, I hated I uh, hated that when I had to wear the mask, and because uh, I was always willing to be compliant. You know, you know, if I have to wear a mask, yeah, I'll wear it. But then I have you know glasses fog up, and I'm trying to do something, or uh, that got really annoying. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. My dad has to wear his glasses, uh, otherwise he, he bumps into things no matter what. And he never complained about it. And he was a lot uh, more content with it than I was, so I have to hand it to him. So when did you leave the casino? Uh, I, my last day at the casino, I think, was last year, June 20th, something like that. I had many, I had a little vacation that we'd already had planned, and then I started work at July 1st at the job I'm at now. So um, now this job that you're at now, uh, what brought what brought you there? Well, um, I was growing stagnant in my last job. Like I was getting more and more like frustrated. From, I'm not going to bad mouth a previous employment. I'm just going to say I was not happy at my current employment at the time, and I was stagnant and just I loved to doing what I did, but everything that went with it was just getting to me. And then my me and my wife, my wife has family down here, and we've been talking about moving down here for a long time. And, you know, we was talking, was like, you know what, let's do it. So we bit the bullet and say we're just going to do it. And then my mother-in-law offered us um, the house that they were, were renting to people at the time, and they offered us a lot cheaper than market value, and it was twice the size of what I had and my big family. I needed it. So it was just kind of everything fell into place for us. Was the interview process just as uh, strict at this new place than as it was the casino? No, actually it's funny. I put it, this was a new place that started up actually in June um, that year, last year on Father's Day was the first day they opened up. And uh, I put in an application actually before I even got down here, like before I left up there. I, I like to have my ducks in the row. Of course. And I put my application in, I think it was around the 1st of June-ish. And it was probably 11 o'clock at night I put it in. At 7 a.m. the next morning, I had a call back. I was like, 
okay. And they're like, hey, can you come down for an interview? I'm like, well, I can't when you're asking me because I actually got to make plans to drop down there. So we worked it out. I come stay with my, my mother-in-law that night. And um, uh, they interviewed me. They liked what they heard. And they offered me the job right there. And um, I told them I couldn't start till such and such because I was working a notice and I had the vacation. They said, fine. And they, you know, they've been, I love the job I'm at now. They, the owners listen to you, that you offer a suggestion. They actually listen. And then if it's a good suggestion, they go with it. If they can't do it, they don't, but they, they listen to you and they inspire creativity. And I've never been happier than where I am now. Oh, that's cool. So is this new place that you work at a mom and pop uh, owned type of restaurant or is it doesn't sound corporate to me. No, it's not corporate at all. Um, basically, uh, the head chef, his wife, Ethan, who kind of runs the barish part of the restaurant, and with and uh, his wife Rachel, who does the HR, they were actually neighbors. And the head chef, I don't know, and they wanted to put something into this community. There's no restaurant quite like that in the community, and they've been quite successful for a business that um, just started up not even a year ago and it's constantly busy. I mean, we have our slow days, but it's busy pretty much most of the time. And they're even already talking about renovating the place. And that's, and usually you don't hear anything like that from a business till like two years out, but yeah, they were neighbors. They got talking and chef is amazing. He man, ain't nothing. He can't cook. It's not delicious. So uh, what's the food like there then? What 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 are the most popular dishes? Um, so like I said, it's Southern inspired. And that's um, one of our most popular appetizers right now is um, we call it our firecracker shrimp. And it's, it's kind of like boom, boom shrimp if you've ever had that. It's got a nice little uh, spicy kick to it. Um, and then our baked pimento cheese. It's a baked pimento cheese, and then they got little pretzel bites around the side. Those are two of our most popular appetizers. And then we just had a menu change. We we like it's made from scratch. So as the season changes, they they have to cook some different things, different stuff. We one of our most popular side dishes we just took off was a uh, roasted Brussels sprouts. And I've never liked Brussels sprouts, but man, those are good. Mm. And there's a lot of people upset that we don't have it on the menu right now, but they understand that it's seasonal, so chefs fish it up. Um, the most probably other popular side dishes are mac and cheese, and it's pretty it's it's spot on. It ain't like you cooking the mac and cheese at home with craft. Yeah. And then um, on Fridays we do prime rib, and chef gets. Um, and takes them, and he cuts them to medium rare, and that is the most moist piece of meat, well-cooked, seasoned properly. I don't care if you normally put A1 A or 57, you, that steak does not need it. Uh, uh, I always laugh about uh, A1 because uh, my ex-girlfriend's father, uh, he heard that I put A1 on a steak, but it was a steak at Denny's. And he heard that I put a one on a steak and he goes, a one sauce is a great way to ruin a good, uh, good, good steak. I said, yeah, but it's a great way to improve a bad one. And he's just, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Cover up some of that taste. You've been working there for a little over a year now. Um, not quite. Uh, in 
this July 1st will be a year. Oh. And they, like I said, they only opened up last year, June, Father's Day weekend in June. Available now on Country Wine and Spirits, the Bake Sale Cookie Box. The Bake Sale Cookie Box is a gift box with 12 pouches of award-winning chocolate chip cookie liqueur. The packaging is simple. You get 12 pouches inside the box, and each pouch looks like a chocolate chip cookie. All you have to do is tear off the top, drink it straight, pour it into your favorite mixed drink, whatever you want to do. Each pouch contains one and a half ounces or one full shot of Bake Sale, a 40% alcohol liqueur that tastes like cookies because it's made from thousands of pounds of real chocolate chip cookies. You can drink it straight up. You can drink it over ice. You can mix it with your coffee. It's good all the way. And just imagine bringing this box with your favorite cookie-flavored liqueur into a house party of some kind, whether it be some kind of bridal shower, bachelorette party, housewarming party, with a baker's dozen of cookie-flavored liqueur. You can't go wrong here, people. You can go check out more information about the Bake Sale Cookie Box on cwspirits.com. Just remember to use your coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 to get 5% off your entire order on cwspirits.com. Go and try Bake Sale Cookie Box today. Hey, bartender. So what do they do to inspire creativity for you? Um, basically they kind of give us the bartenders free reign to, you know, whatever we can, like, like I said, I came up with the key lime martini the other day, uh, Gianluca, who, uh, was one of the first bartenders hired. Um, he, uh, created a lot of the menu cause he was one of the first bartenders in. So he actually crafted the whole menu. He had a few, um, like some of the owners had some requests, but, and, if I ask for a liquor, like a certain one that we don't have, my the owner, Ethan, tries to get it in for me and just lets me play with it. And if a, and then during shift, if I get an idea and he's there, I'm like, hey, I want to try something. He goes, go for it. I'll make it. I'll put it in front of him. He'll sample it. He goes, it's good. I serve it. See, that's something that's not any, as common practice anymore because uh, back when I was bartending, they let you be a little creative, create drinks behind the bar, just play, basically. And for at corporate restaurants, no, forget it. They're they're get, yeah. they're pour, concentrating on their pour costs, measuring each shot. Bubble pours are my worst enemy. I hate those things. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as I've gone along, there's a lot of restaurants that want to have a set menu of drinks that they have available, and really don't. Because of poor costs, they don't really let their bartenders or servers play, you know, let's let's make a drink that tastes like a root beer float or uh, or like a Dr. Pepper or something like that. So that's really cool that your boss is uh, letting you play and, you know, you sit there and get to be creative with it. Yeah, and like I said, some of the ones I've made um... – and he's like, all right, we do have a, a set menu, but we also have one. We do, we do see, uh, like, say any kind of holiday comes up, we're coming up with a cocktail for the holiday. And a couple of them have made it to our main menu now. Like, we shift the menu as well. Like, we see what's selling what. We got a chocolate martini on there. Um, we got a few others. Like, and if we see something that's doing good, that, 
like I said, the key lime martini did really well. I went through a bottle and a half of the pinnacle whip bucket that night, <laughs> mm. making it the other night. So if they see you're doing something good, they want you to keep doing it. And the same way in the kitchen, we have a different soup uh, every two or three days, and it's just whatever the kitchen feels like cooking up, and they ask everybody to bring a recipe. Like if I want to take a recipe of soup I have, They'll try it out. They like it. They'll make it. It sounds like everything in your restaurant is pretty much made from scratch uh, in the food, uh, in the food at least. And that's also pretty unusual. You get some uh, nice, good home cooking instead of assembly line stuff. Oh, I eat good every night. (laughs) So uh, I want to ask you a couple other things a little bit more on the personal side. I'm a pop culture junkie. Uh, Music, movies, TV shows, I'll sit and talk about that stuff all day long. I don't know shit about sports. And and people thought that was weird being a bartender. You don't know anything about sports? Nope, sorry, I can't tell you shit. But, um, you know, if you want to talk about the Beatles, be prepared for a 30 to 45 minute lecture. But... Uh, or Star Wars, forget about it. But I've noticed that on your TikTok page, you've created a lot of drinks that are based off of like pop culture icons. I saw you use a, or you made your own mana potion, or uh, was it the the star one for uh, from Super Mario Brothers? Oh. Yeah, the star man. Yeah. Um, do you do that on purpose, or is that just well? Um, let's preface this by saying I'm a very nerdy guy. Anybody talked to knows that I'm really big in anime, old school video games, you know, movies, what have you. And I'd seen a bartender, uh, do something with the potion bottles before on another thing. I was, uh, I think it was called, he's Sin City bartender or something. I don't, I don't know. I if haven't he's on seen him around for a long time. Yeah. I, I've heard of him. I think, yeah, I hadn't seen him been doing much lately. I don't know, but I seen him do some potion bottles. I'm like, I got to get those potion bottles. And I knew what I wanted to do with it as soon as I could get it. And my wife had heard me talking about it and she got it for me for Christmas. And, um, you know, the first thing I want to do was make a mana potion, old school blue mana potion. And that video went viral. And it took me from 300 followers to I'm sitting on 17K mostly on that video alone. It had a million views. And I did a bunch of things really wrong with that video. Like I spilt the liquor and <laughs> those, those little holes in those potion balls, they're small. Like I can barely get a bar spoon in it. Yeah. And, um, but I had my, I love Final Fantasy Sevens, my favorite game. So I had that playing in the back, in the music. And then I had my, this shirt actually, my, my Hero Academia shirt. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, the beard was part of it. And I had so many comments on the shirt, on the beard, the luster dust. That really made it shine and shimmer if you saw it. It's, it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have basic bartender to thank for the luster dust. She's the first person I saw use it. And I'm like, I got to get me some. Mm. And so that video just went crazy. And then I gained a nerdy following. I was like, and I've done other videos where it's really basic cocktails or cocktails I've just dreamed up. But this is the first one that took off. And I gained a nerdy following. I'm like, these are my people. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into it. And I'm just gonna play with it. I'm still gonna do the stuff I want to do. But I'm gonna... You know, I've got an audience and I know what they like. So 
I'm going to try to give them that. And I rack my brain trying to make sure I can come up with something. And I've never got to play D&D. If you know what D&D is, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I've never got to play as big of a nerd person as I am, but I've always wanted to. And so I've been trying to appeal to the D&D TikTok and saying, hey, look, I want to be your potions master. This is kind of my way to be able to part of the community. I want to, and you, if you use these drinks, and I do, and I'm doing non-alcoholic versions too. If you use these drinks and your thing, make a video. Let me see it. I want to see what you come up with. You don't have to use my recipe. I just want to see something that I might have inspired because mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, uh, uh, pop culture and nerd culture. That that's my wheelhouse. Also, I'm uh, I'm all over that sort of thing, and. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I uh, back when I was a bartender, I uh, got was really into Kevin Smith movies, and so every once in a while, I'd you know be blurting out, "I'm not even supposed to be here today." I'd make movie, movie references constantly uh, throughout my shift. But uh, I thought it was interesting that you were um, designing drinks uh, to go along with pop culture uh, references. And uh, what's the most obscure reference do you think you think that you've made that only the true uh, people of the nerddom would get. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I've made anything obscure yet. I've got a few things working in my wheelhouse for some upcoming things. I'm trying to figure out how I want to do them because it's not. And when I say say nerdy, I, I count like the Rocky movies to me. I consider that nerdy as much as I'm into them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I may do a cocktail reference in that. Um, probably the most oddest, um, nerdy drink I made though, was when I, um, I recently ordered a, I recently got a lot, purchased a lightsaber from a level up light one on TikTok. He's like, um, he's a martial artist that sell that make has lightsabers made and he builds a curriculum around them as well to help you train. And, you know, he tries to teach good stuff. And so, you know, I had this idea, I'm like, I'm going to build a, um, lightsaber with a drink. So I took and got some blue curacao syrup, not the liqueur, but the syrup. Mm-hmm. And I made a spherical cube with it. So it was nice and blue. And then I used that and I dropped it in the glass, I added some vodka and something else. I remember what, and I'm like, and then I, the lights went out and whenever, um, where the drink was, when the lights came back on, the lightsaber turned on blue. So I was like, this is how a bartender builds a lightsaber. <laughs> That's so I mean, that cool. would be hard of any views, but I was, I was happy with it. <laughs> uh, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters pretty much. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, that was one of the things that caught my attention uh, and made me want to get you on my show because you're, uh, you're into that sort of thing just like I am. So we, you know, we had a connection uh, right there. Well, what else? You've got your bartending job, and you've got your kids, and you're uh, doing pretty well on TikTok making uh, making drinks. By the way, do you take those drinks over to your bar and serve them there? Um, usually those drinks, I'll, if they're the ones in the potion bottles, I'll just cork them, and I'll have them whenever I'm having a, have a night off. I'll drink them myself. Um, some of the cocktails I've made on there, uh, I think I put it on here. On one of my old videos, I made a pumpkin like a pumpkin martini kind of thing where i made simple syrup out of puree and actually we carried that in my bar for a time but it was just building that drink was complicated as far as getting all the syrup set up and stuff so we ended up taking that off the menu 
but yeah, I've taken a few things over there. Um, there's one we put on the menu during winter. It's called Granny's Hot Toddy, and it was um, a lot of people's going to turn their head when I tell them what liquor I use. I use Fireball in it, and because um, everybody's got a bad story with Fireball, everybody. I use Fireball. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I have a guilt. I have a what's it called? A guilty pleasure of cinnamon whiskey. I love cinnamon whiskey. I'll drink it straight, no problem. But um. I use the Fireball Apple Cinnamon Simple Syrup that we make um, and uh, apple cider and just a splash of club soda to give a little bubble effect. And, you know, hot toddy is supposed to be hot. So where I um, got the hot effect is we put, I'd take an apple slice, put brown sugar on it, stick a cinnamon next to it, and then I'd torch the brown sugar and brulee it. So then you have a nice, as and that's the garnish, and it's a nice little treat. Now, and I'm telling you, when you drink this drink, you do not taste the fireball at all. You don't taste any liquor. The cinnamon just accentuates the apple cider, and which is, makes it very dangerous because you don't taste the alcohol. Mm. And I've given it to people knowing they normally don't like fireball, but I didn't tell them what was in it. So my coworkers, I'm like, try it. They drink it. It's like, oh, it's good. What's in it? And told them fireball. I was like, no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people used to try to make oh, play that trick with Jägermeister, and I've not a lot of people get get, get, way to, get away with that. You know, Jaeger's uh, a different story. <laughs> I don't do Jaeger well. <laughs> now, there's people that can, but there are more people that can't. But uh, everybody enjoys it. So, uh, what? So you got uh, you got your bartending job. You've got your four kids, your family. Do you do anything else on the side? Any other hobbies? Um, right now, uh, pretty much my time is pretty much full with the kids and stuff and work. Um, uh, certain things are going to happen in the near future that I'm hopefully going to be able to get back into karate again. I used to do that for, I did that for about eight years straight for a while. And hopefully I'll be able to get back into that soon. And, you know, I like to read, like I said, nerd, book, book nerd. I'm a, I like to say I'm a jack of all trades. I, I, I dabble in pretty much most nerd, nerddoms, just yeah. <laughs> not really an expert in any. So, um, and yeah, and that's pretty much it. Work, family time. I try to make some TikToks when I get a night, night off and post those. And right now I'm trying to get break into freelance bartending for like weddings and events and stuff. And I think I might have landed my first gig tonight. So. Oh, cool. So I'm noticing that a lot more and more that a lot of people are taking martial arts nowadays. I mean, I took martial arts for about three years and uh, only made it up to my brown belt, but then work and life got uh, a little hectic. And I, I, it's been a year since I last took a class, but I, I want to go back eventually. Uh, how far did you uh, get with your martial arts? Well, I would... I started it in college, and this is where my nerddom kicks back in. I'd always loved karate from Ninja Turtles, from Power Rangers, <laughs> from, and old school uh, uh, the Karate Kid. Yeah. And funny enough, the style of karate is Okinawan, like in the Karate Kid that I do. It's called a uh, Sansei Goju Ryu, mm-hmm. um, which stands for a third generation hard soft system, but. I got in, I found, uh, 
when I went to college, I think there was a karate club. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm going to check this out. And I went running to the first karate club meeting I could. And I, I fell in love with it. And they was like, hey, you need to come to Dojo. I was like, okay. So I figured out how to get some funds and started going to Dojo. And I was in, I was in and out of it because of life. You know, I, I started having a family. So that kind of made it harder to practice, but I did it for a while. I got to, um, my, uh, blue belt, which is our, in our system, middle intermediate. Yeah. So, you, you know, and, um, but I tend to, I was, uh, I was a very well, sorry, I'm not saying this well. I was very good at sparring aspect and the bunkai, the out adaptations of Kata. Mm-hmm. So anytime we were at tournaments or whatever, my sensei would make me spar with the upper ranks. Mm-hmm. I had to go spar with him and get my butt kicked a little bit. <laughs> but he had, he has a maniacal sense of humor. He, he 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 likes to see us in a little bit of pain. I think it brings him personal joy, and I say that with all the love I can mean. <laughs> um, but he was also um, armed forces. And um, he liked to make sure that we had real life experience as far as like, he didn't want to make it easy on us. He wanted us to have to work for it and understand that it's not easy. And that one of his things is if you're ever going to get in a fight, don't go fight fair. Grab yourself a two before it because chances are you might get, they might have something bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My grandfather, uh, years and years and years ago, uh, he, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to take karate and he, laid it out for me uh saying uh because he was uh, uh he knew judo from when he was in world war Two, and i think it was from world war Two anyway but he said there are dozens of fighting styles out there everywhere anthony but absolutely nothing in this world beats a good punch to the nose and <laughs> i was like good to know <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, but you've been out of it for a little while. Do you uh, catch yourself at least thinking about the kata every now and then, or do you actually do the kata every now and then? Oh, yeah. My nerd self took my lightsaber out there and tried to adapt one of the katas to my lightsaber. (laughs) And I hope my sensei doesn't hear that in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got a a Force FX uh, Obi-Wan's lightsaber, uh, so, you know, I I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) That that one uh, TikTok personality, Michelle C. Smith, who uh, does the uh, Bo Staff stuff uh, all the time. Uh, I try to copy the stuff she does, but I always end up whacking myself in the head. And after about the three or third or fourth time I whack myself in the head, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Pain is one of the best teachers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, even when I was sparring uh, in class, I would be sparring with the black belts. And they always, always, always reminded me keep my, uh, keep my guard up because as soon as yeah. they they saw that hole, I was dead. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> oh yeah. See, I learned. Um, I actually had a sense. My sensei that I met, met up with Club, who is my direct sensei, he passed away uh, of some of some sickness complications a few years after I started training with him and his sensei, who's now my sensei is my sensei. Um, he, uh, he, he was, um, a, 
originally judo when he first started learning. And I went up to his sensei, which is now my sensei, and I was like, I want to honor my instructor, and I would like to learn some ground fighting and and some takedowns and whatnot. He goes, okay. So he put me what we call our bookends. On, if you know what a bookend is, somebody that is basically your close brother, and, and basically you learn off each other and you beat the crap out of each other all the time. Mm. He put me in touch with him, who's uh, been studying MMA. And so I learned a lot of uh, ground, te- not a lot, but enough to, in my mind, honor my sensei. And I learned how to take care of myself on the ground a little bit and how to get out, basically. Well, like I said, my uh, sensei now is, has a maniacal sense of humor. And during belt tests for other people, he would make me, um, part of it is physical, he would make me get on the ground with them and their one goal would be to get off the ground. And I was supposed to hold them there. And I always felt that was cruel because I was a bigger guy too. So, (laughs) Yeah. Do you encourage any other, uh, would you encourage anybody else in the service industry to take some kind of, because a lot of people in the service industry, we tend to not eat right because we're not, uh, we're not able to sit down and eat properly. We don't exercise because we were walking around all day. But uh, what kind of, uh, would you suggest for people that work in the ser- service industry to uh, look into that sort of thing? If you can't, if you don't want to go to the gym, you know, maybe try to figure out a uh, some kind of class like uh, karate, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, one of those uh, uh, as a proper exercise. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm really big on people learning self-defense in any form. I don't care what style it is. Um, for one, getting yourself active. That's a, if you can get yourself active, that's a self-defense because you'd learn to run. Yeah. <laughs> Running should be your first goal in anything. And as you said, we're one, we're major uh, targets because we're always walking around with money. Mm-hmm. And after our shift, especially the females, they're targets in today's society, which is horrible. And I'm a big on people learning how to protect themselves, whether it's doing taking a self-defense case uh, classes at the Y or finding a local dojo. I'm, I personally think you should learn more than just basic self-defense because you never know what's going to come at you. But yeah, getting into something like that is really good for service industry people. Cause one of the first things I learned was called situational awareness my instructor told me to always be aware. So anytime I'm walking to my vehicle, my eyes are looking around. I'm not down looking at my phone. I'm not, um, I'm constantly scanning thing and seeing if there's any possible threat. Cause if you can see a threat before it happens, you pretty much mostly won that fight. Cause you can possibly get away from it. Right. So yeah, definitely think people should learn it. Well, we're coming up on last call for the show. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show and taking a little bit of time out of your day. Before we leave, uh, why don't you give everybody, all my listeners, uh, some information on how to see your TikTok videos or how to get a hold of you if they want you for an event bartending. Well, um, you can find me on TikTok um, at Bearded Wolf Bartender. Um, that's the, probably the best way to get to me right now. I, uh, I'm working on getting this email set up under that name. It'll probably be a Gmail, but it isn't currently going yet. Um, and I'm trying to get into freelance bartending, but you know, 
if you have questions with any drinks or whatever, if you want to see something made, feel free to shoot me a message. It may take me a while to get to it because I got to get. I'm a dad on a budget, and I've got to <laughs> uh, plan it out. But I will eventually try to get to any request I see, if possible, and keep it and keep requesting. If you've asked for it before, keep requesting. I might. I've got a bad memory, so sometimes I just need to be reminded. So you know, asking you to make a drink with Louis the Thirteenth. That would take a lot of planning. <laughs> that might that might take a little bit. <laughs> I might get to it. You know, if you want to throw some money in the cash app, feel free. <laughs> <That might be. laughs> All right. So thank you so much for being on the show and uh hope to see uh talk to you again soon. All right, thank you, appreciate it. And that's it, people. It is last call, last call for alcohol. I want to thank Isaac Bailey for being on the show. Remember to go check out his social medias on TikTok and Instagram, Bearded Wolf Bartender. He's got a lot of great videos of, of making drinks and trying out different things. And he is uh, he and I uh, really clicked because he's a pop culture junkie just like I am, and he's willing to go the extra mile to actually bring creations into life. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier with the potions bottles, it's really cool. You should go check him out. As usual, i got to thank Laura Hope and the Arctones for their song, Dr. Bartender. Remember to go check them out on any music service, whether it's Spotify or iTunes. You can go check out more of their stuff. They are great band people. Go listen to their stuff. I love them. Hey, people, if you want to be part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is message me. Either DM me on social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. All of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. Or you can email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. If you guys have any questions, comments, or just want to be a guest on the show, just message me. I'd love to have you on. Also, if you're trying to stock your own bar at your house, I suggest you go check out Country Wine and Spirits. That's cwspirits.com. And go check out some of the liquor that they've got there. You might be able to find something that unique that you've never seen before in your area. Just remember to use... Coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout, and you get 5% off your entire order. And all orders over $125 get free shipping. You can't go wrong. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. And as always, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's last go? I just go!